1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 6. Starting in verse 6. So when I was a kid, I discovered that I really loved ketchup. How many of you love ketchup? How many of you think ketchup's disgusting? You guys are un-American, all of you. So listen up, here we go, listen up. So I discovered that I, I discovered that I really loved ketchup. I liked it with hamburgers, I liked it with hot dogs, I liked it with french fries. But then, but then, because I loved ketchup so much, I began to venture out into other foods. Right? So it's like, oh, ketchup and eggs is good, actually. Right. But, 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 here's the... I got a little too brave. I got a little... Hey, stay with me, stay with me. Stay with me. I got a little too brave. At this point, we made... Uh, we had dinner at my house. I'm a kid. And we have... Um, we have mac and cheese, and I'm like, man, ketchup's good, and mac and cheese is good, so I'm going to put some ketchup on this mac and cheese. Friends, it's super disgusting. If you eat ketchup and mac and cheese, it's super gross. It's not good. But listen, listen, listen. Listen. Pull it, pull it back together. Stay with me. Here's what I thought. I thought, man, man, mac and cheese is a good thing, and ketchup is a good thing individually. So what if I add a good thing to a good thing? Doesn't it give me like a real good thing? False. Here's what happened, right? So in my brain, I'm thinking, if I just add this good thing to this thing that I also think is good, maybe I will make it better. But the reality is, is I brought what I thought was a good thing, I added what I thought was a good thing into something, and it just made it awful. And it overcomplicated it to the point where it wasn't good at all. Something that was designed to be good and something that was designed to be good, but not added together, made it really overcomplicated and actually made it worse. Here's why I tell you that. This is the reality. This is the reality that you're facing in regards to relationships and dating and singleness and purity and the culture that you live in today is there has been a design, designed by the creator of the universe for what singleness and dating and marriage should look like. And the culture has added in their input over and over. And it has sunken down deep into your brains, into my brains, and in our hearts. And we think, oh, this is actually good for us. But the reality is, is it really overcomplicates it such that people answer the question, hey, how are you and so-and-so? And you answer the oh, it's complicated. Because... We have overcomplicated something that God created to be good because here's the deal. We strayed from the design. And so what, what I want to do over the next few weeks is to look at the scriptures and, and do my best by God's grace to bring clarity to issues of singleness and dating and purity by what the scripture has to say. This ought to be where we gather our information. We want to look and see what God has to say about these things. Because here's the deal. God has something to say. He didn't leave those out. He wasn't like, hey, I'm not going to really like talk about relationships and all that stuff. You guys just go figure it out on your own. No, God has a lot to say about it. And we're going to look in the scriptures as we move. And so here's the deal. We're doing this because... This is the stage that you're in. Some of you are in relationships right now. Some of you will you will probably be in a relationship in the near future. I'm not like I'm not like prophesying for you. I have no idea, right? Like, 
Some of you are like, please, Jesus, let that be true for me. But, but the reality is, is you're in that season of your life and it's all around you. It's all around you. And, and all your teenage friends are giving you information about how it ought to be. But really, we ought to be people, if we declare to be the people of Jesus, that say, God, what do you want for us? What is your design for this? What is your design for singleness, dating, and impurity? What does that mean? We want to define it by the scriptures. And, and, and this is the deal. Listen to me. This is the deal. Please, oh please, over the next few weeks, don't view this as a lecture from like an angry older person. That's not the deal. Please, please, for whoever stands up here and speaks from the scriptures, view this as a place, view this as something that comes from a place of love. Because we love you, we are going to speak about these things because we refuse to let you believe a lie. We refuse. Because you're being sold a lie. And so we want to be faithful to tell you the truth and let it free us to be people that honor God with the way that we have relationships with people, right? And so we'll do that tonight as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 6. So read along with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 6. Now as a concession, not as a command, I say this, I wish they all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to burn, it is better to, it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Jump over to verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So what we're talking about tonight is this issue of singleness, this topic of singleness. What does the Bible have to say about singleness? What is God's design for singleness? We're just going to ask and answer a couple of questions in regards to singleness. The first question we're going to ask and answer is, what is singleness? What does the Bible say that singleness is? Look back at verse 7. Look back at verse 7. Paul says, I wish that all were as I myself am. That's single. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. The first thing that the Bible defines in regards to singleness, that singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift. According to the scriptures, singleness is a gift. That's not how culture sells it to you. It's sold to you as if you're single, you're lonely, or something's wrong with you, and you better find somebody, you're going to be forever alone. So... The Bible says something very different. Listen, the Bible says something very different, that singleness is a gift. And specifically, look back, look back. Specifically, it says, the back half of verse 7, but each has his own gift from God. It's not just a gift. It's a gift that comes from God. It's a gift that comes from God. Singleness is a gift. The second thing we find in verse 8, look at verse 8 with me. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. The second thing that we find about singleness is this. That according to the scriptures, here's how singleness is defined. Singleness is defined as anyone who is unmarried. Therefore, how many of you are defined as single according to the scripture? All of you. All of you. Because in the Bible, 
Singleness is defined as anyone who is unmarried. You're like, no, I got a girl. I got a guy. Listen to me. Listen to me. I know, I know you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever the heck you guys call each other now. <laughs> Bay, I don't know. <laughs> listen, listen. It is a dangerous game the day that you start thinking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend like they are your husband or your wife. It's a dangerous game you'll slip into because you'll start committing things to them that you have no business committing to. And you'll start stepping into circles that you have no business stepping into. And really, here's the deal. We've created this category of boyfriend and girlfriend that the Bible doesn't actually have. The Bible has brother and sister in Christ and husband and wife. And there are certain boundaries on each of those, correct? We created this category of boyfriend and girlfriend because here's what happened. The the culture created it because here's why. We wanted all the benefits but none of the responsibility. Friends, that's, that's dangerous. You are not committed to your boyfriend or girlfriend like a husband and a wife are committed to one another. You're not. You might think that you want to be. You're not. And it's dangerous for you to think that you are. So singleness is defined as anyone who is unmarried. The third thing we also find in verse 8. Look back at it with me. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that this is good for them to remain single as I am. Check this out. Not only is singleness a gift, not only is it defined as those who are unmarried, which is all of you in here, right? But singleness is also a good gift. It's not just a gift. It's a good gift, according to Paul. It's a good gift. Paul says, hey, each of you has your own gift, and this gift is good. Some of you are married, some of you are single. But guess what? They're both good gifts. Singleness is a good gift that we ought to embrace because it's from God it for something or a question we want to answer then is what is singleness for is is god using it for something or is it just like this wasted season and category of life what is singleness for go to verse 32 jump over to verse 32 i want you to be free from anxieties the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the lord how to please the lord but the married man is anxious about the worldly things how to please his wife and his Interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. The first thing that we find out that singleness is for, according to the scriptures, it is for unbridled service to the Lord. That singleness is for unbridled, unhindered, undistracted service to God. That God would have for you, that he would use your single season in life. However long that might be, I have no clue. But he would use it as a way for you to be undistracted in service to God. Why, does that, why is that the case? But you saw the unmarried person doesn't have anxiety about how to please their husband or wife. They have anxiety about how to please the Lord. They're fixed on the Lord because here's the deal. There are certain responsibilities that I have as a husband that you do not have. There are certain responsibilities that Jenny has as a wife that girls you don't have as a single person. That she under God and I under God have to engage in those. But you are afforded opportunities as a single person to do things for the Lord that you may or may not be able to do as a married person. Here's an example. Here's an example. 
There's a girl, her name is Katie Davis. And when she was 18, she graduated high school, looked at her parents and said, I want to go to Uganda. So she hops in a plane, goes to Uganda, stays for a little while, works in an orphanage, loves it. Comes back, tells her parents, hey, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go back to Uganda for a year. So she goes back to Uganda for a full year, works in an orphanage, ends up remaining in Uganda as a resident and adopting three, thir- uh, 13 girls and becomes their mother at 19, 20 years old as a single girl. Kids back home. It would have been, she couldn't have done that had she had a husband. She couldn't have done that if she had some kids back home. It would have been far more complicated. Yeah, like feasibly she could have tried to figure it out, but Husband has a say in that. There are kids involved. That's far more complicated. But in her single years, she looked and said, this is what God is doing. And you know what I have? Freedom to go. Nothing is holding me back. I'm unbridled in service to the Lord. I'm undistracted, unhindered in service to the Lord. So I'm going. And she started a ministry and she's killing it for the glory of God in Uganda for the last decade. Something that started in her in her single years that she refused to waste. She refused to look at her single years and just say like, what am I supposed to do here? She used it as unbridled, undistracted service to the Lord. And God blew it up and bared so much fruit through her. Use your single years for unbridled service to the Lord. The second thing that singleness is for, look at verse 35. I say this for your own benefit. Not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Did you catch what he said? Look, look, look. I say this for your own benefit. Not to lay any restraint upon you. Singleness is not a restraint. It's not change. It's not slavery. It's not something you just have to suck up and get through so you can get to marriage. It is a good God-given gift season for your life. And what does he say it's for? To promote good order and secure your undivided devotion. The last thing that we say that singleness is for, according to the scriptures, is undivided devotion to the Lord. Singleness is for undivided devotion to the Lord. Here's what I mean by that. Is a focused devotion to God that you are not giving your attention or your heart or your time to anyone, but you are fixed on God. You are afforded long amounts of time in the scriptures as a single person. Use it. You're afforded long amounts of time to go and worship, to go to conferences and be sharpened, to hang out with people and to let iron sharpen iron in in community. Use it. Use it. Your single years should be used for undivided devotion to God, focused, fixed devotion on God. Well, so shouldn't we be focused on God as married people? Yes, but it looks different. It looks different. Jenny and I, as one flesh, focus on God together. Yeah, we worship God individually, but we worship God together. As a single person, you, get, you, have this, you have this season of life to worship God as an individual and let God shape you. Capture it. Don't let it pass by. But here's the reality. I know that you potentially or likely, and I'm not here, like my goal tonight, please, my goal tonight is like, if you don't break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you're doing the wrong thing. That's not, what I'm, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. But check it out. Listen. What I want is for you to step into relationships and do them for the glory of God, 
not because everybody's pressuring you into it, not because, oh, well, I just feel like I've got to have somebody or it makes me feel better. Let's do relationship God's way. But nonetheless, we've got problems with singleness that show something about us. The first thing, what's the problem with your problem with singleness? The first thing is this. The negative ideas that you have about singleness, the negative ideas that you have about singleness, none of them are from God. That singleness is loneliness, that singleness means something's wrong with you, that singleness means like you're going to be alone forever, none of that is from God. Because God says that singleness is a good gift that ought to be embraced. So none of the ideas that you're fed from culture, none of them are from God. Don't believe them. The second thing, what's your problem with the problem with singleness? It shows this about you. It it likely shows that you're scared to be alone. You're scared to be alone. You're terrified to be alone, so you will do whatever it takes to have somebody. You will compromise. You will lower the bar. You will will broaden the circle of of your standards, and you'll lower the bar of your standards so you can have somebody because you're terrified to be alone. You're like, if I don't have a boyfriend at 14, I'm probably never going to get married. You're like, wow, relax. Relax. But you know why you laugh? Because that's where you live. And those are things that actually roll through your mind. What's going to happen if I don't have a boyfriend by the time I'm 16? What's going to happen if I don't have a boyfriend by the time I'm 18? Does that mean like I'm going to go through college and just like never go on a date? And then I'm never going to like, like relax. Like you're fine. You just learned how to drive. So, so don't, don't buy that lie. But don't be, don't be fearful that you're going to be alone forever. That fear is not from God. That fear is not from God. We're like, what, but what, like, what if the desire is for me to date somebody so that I can get married? That's a good desire, right, Kate? Yes, that's a good desire. I've got two things. One, how often is that really the goal in high school and junior high? Rarely. Rarely. Most of the time, you're dating because it's like, you make me feel good, you make me feel good, you're hot, you're hot, let's just do this. You've got no goal. Other than just like to play house. Desire. It's a poor God. This. You're right. Marriage is a good desire. It's a good desire. It's a poor God. Marriage is not to be worshipped. Marriage will not complete you. It won't. It won't. It's a poor God. The third thing that our problem with singleness. It shows that you possibly think that another person is going to give you things that you need to be complete or okay. You have a problem with singleness because you think that, man, if I can get another person, it actually it, it makes me feel complete or okay. I know this because some of you couple off with people that you ought not be with. You lower the bar. And you're like, I know he's a garbage dude, but he makes me feel good. You're like, pass him by, girl, pass him by. I know it's not good for me to be in this relationship with this girl, but like it just feels good to be with somebody. It just feels good to have somebody. It makes me feel like I matter. It makes me feel like I have worth. Hear me. That person was never, ever meant, ever meant or created to give you what you feel. As a married man, check this out. Jenny cannot, Jenny cannot complete me. 
you, you get this lie from culture and you're like, I'm just, I'm looking for my soulmate, somebody that will complete me. <laughs> Hear me. Hear me. I'm not Jenny's soulmate, friends. I'm not. Do I love her? Yes. Does she love me? Yes. Do we complete one another? No. And you're like, well, that's not very romantic, but it's reality. Because here's why, here's why you need to hear that. Because if you get in a relationship and you think, oh, you'll complete me, you know what will happen? They will be jerks to you, fail you, and wound you, and you'll leave hurt. Because they're never meant or created to do that. I was never meant to complete Jenny. Jenny was never meant to complete me. And if you put pressure on another person to do that and they put pressure on you, you will get crushed underneath that pressure and wounded. And you will carry those wounds. I'm, I'm telling you as somebody who failed, you will carry those wounds for the rest of your life. And it will affect your marriage. Yes, God can heal it. Yes, God redeems all things. Yes, but you have to have that conversation with your to-be spouse. You don't leave that in the backyard like, ah, we'll get to it when we get to it. That's a poor play. You will carry baggage if you look at another person and say, oh, you'll make me feel like I matter. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. The fourth thing is when you have a problem with singleness, it really shows that you don't think singleness is a a gift. You don't think singleness is a gift. As you don't believe it's a gift, what's revealed in the fifth What's revealed in the fourth is also revealed in the fifth. Because you don't believe it's a gift, here's what it really shows, is that you don't trust God. Because God's the gift giver. And if you don't, if you don't see the gift as good, if you think, this is a bad, I don't want this gift, you know what you're saying? I don't trust the one giving it. I don't trust that God's a good gift giver. I don't trust that God knows what he's doing. So if God has me in a season of singleness, I don't, know that God, I don't, I don't really know that God knows what he's doing. I think I might know better. But here's what the scriptures say about God as a gift giver. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 says this, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? James 1.17. Oh, please, it, you should just memorize this and just sink it into your brain for the rest of your life. James 1.17. Every, every good gift and every perfect gift, every one of them, there is not one that's lacking. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every gift that you have received, even singleness, comes from God who is perfect. So when you reject it, when you say, God, you don't know, when you say, well, I've just got to have somebody, so I better, I better like rush into a relationship and it blows up in your face, what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you to control this. I don't trust you to take over. I don't trust you to lead me where I need to go. So God, I got to put my hands on it and I got to get this guy or I got to get this girl. And we're going to, I know that I'm, I know that I'm only 14 and I can't go on a date because I have no money to my name and can't drive and mom's going to have to pick us up and we're going to go do whatever mom wants to do because I can't do any of this, but we're going to date anyway because I just feel like I've got to have somebody. It will be painful for you. So let's think about singleness God's way as a gift, a good gift from God who is a good gift giver. The last question we'll answer then. So then what should we do with our singleness? That's everybody in here, by the way. Even if you've got a boo thing or whatever it is that you call her. That's everybody in here. Everybody who's not married is single, right? So here's the deal. Here's what we got to do with our singleness. The first thing is this. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace your singleness as a good gift from God. 
Embrace your singleness as a good gift from God. And the, the second thing is this. Here we, here we go. Second thing is this. When it comes to your singleness, use it. Use it. Use your singleness. And here's what I mean by that. Three things. Three ways to use your singleness. The first way is this. Use your singleness to learn. Go sit around other married people that just crush it as married people and are really faithful. I'm still like, can I babysit your kids? When I'm married one day, if God allows me to do that, I want to look like them. Go spend time around them. I'm still like, can I babysit your kids? Can we go eat together? Can I just like hang out around you? I know it's kind of weird, but I just like to learn from you. Use it. Go be around other married people that you want to be like. You know why? Because you become like, you become like who, you st- who you stick around. So go use it. Use it to learn. What kind of person ought I to be? What kind of husband? What kind of wife? The second way that we can use it. Use it to let God make you into the kind of person that is, that is worth marrying. Make it. You, let, God, let God shape you in that season to be the kind of person that you would want to marry. You think, I, I know, like you sleep in your, a room by yourself and some of you are only children and you think like, I'm pretty awesome. But I'm letting you know, you'll get married one day and you'll realize, I'm a jerk. Like, I'm really selfish. Like, I, I'm, I'm, like, it's not, it's not okay for me to be irritable with my wife at this moment. Like, that's not, but it's this big mirror that you live with another person that sees everything you do. And for, for 18, 20, 25 years, You've done it your way. And then somebody gets dropped in from another family and they're looking at you like, what is the matter with you? And you're like, this is how I've always done it. You're like, you're, you're a caveman. Don't ever do that. <laughs> so you, use, your, use the season of singleness to let God shape you. To be a woman who is honoring to God. To be a man who is honoring to God. Not to be the perfect person. You won't be. But to be a man who is after God's heart, to be a woman who is after God's heart, because that's attractive in a person. And then you, finally, you would use it for the glory of God. You would use it for the glory of God. Use your single season for the glory of God into the man, Take a year off of college and go, go for the glory of God into the African bush. I don't care. I don't care. Go, go and do it. But go use it for the glory of God. Start a ministry. Like, focus on building the Bible study at your school, not chasing some girl or some dude. I I don't know what that is. Spend extra time stirring up your love for Christ, but use it for the glory of God. Don't waste it. Don't waste it just wanting to have somebody. Just just being upset about the fact that God has you in this season. God has you in this season because God's good. God has you in this season because God knows what he's doing. So use it. You're like, yeah, but, but if I don't focus on finding somebody, I'll never have somebody. That's, look, here's what I want you to do. You just, you just fix your eyes on Jesus and start running after him, right? Fixed on what he wants, obedient to what he wants, and you just run after him and be, be after what he wants and just run and run and run. And one day, you're going to look over and you're going to see some really cute guy running with you and you're like, hey, you're pretty good looking and you love Jesus too. You want to do this forever? All right, high five. 
But we don't, listen, you know what that requires of you? It requires that you trust God to bring about that time in your life when God wants to. That might be at 20, and it might be at 30. I, d- I don't know. But don't think in your minds, oh my gosh, if God doesn't let me be married by the time I'm 35, I'm going to be so mad at him. God's got it, and God knows best. So let's trust him with our season of singleness. Let's use it for the glory of God.